You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use their promo code LOCKEDON, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. On today's show, we will recap week five in the SEC. We'll give you all our takeaways from the four games over the weekend. Also, who impressed and depressed? We will run through those. We should just permanently put the SEC refs in the depressed category. And lastly, we'll take a look at some of the early betting lines heading into SEC week six. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. We are here for you five days a week. All right, let's do it. Let's recap the weekend that was in week five of SEC play. Only four games to recap. Boots out to the right. Makes the Around the conference. There's the snap. Nick drops. He looks. He throws it up the field. It's caught by Seth Wave. 45-30. He's down the sideline. 15-10-5. Touchdown, Auburn. Touchdown, Seth Williams. We said it would be the game of the week, and it lived up to it. Auburn and Ole Miss in Oxford. This one was back and forth the entire time. And there was a lot of hard runs in this one. I mean, Auburn, once again, they get their ground game going with stud running back Tank Bigsby. Sean Shivers back in action. He was pretty good. Bo Nix moving the chain with his arm and his feet. And Ole Miss, very productive on the ground as well. Jerry and Ely and Snoop Connor both with around 75 yards. Matt Corral, John Rice Plumley gets in there running hard. Both teams had well over 200 yards rushing apiece, but the focus in this one came to a kickoff after Ole Miss scored to take a 28-27 lead. Just over five minutes to go. A ball bounces around the 10-yard line and appears to ricochet off the fingertips of the Auburn return man, Sean Shivers. However, the SEC refs would choose not to review the play, and Auburn would go on with their possession. This would be yet another instance on this season where Auburn benefited from either a call or a no-call from the referees And other fans around the SEC are asking, hey, what's the deal? A few possessions later, 225 remaining in the game. Bo Nix and Auburn trailing by one. Nix would take his team right down the field, connecting with Eli Stove, connecting with Anthony Schwartz, before hooking up with Seth Williams on that 58-yard go-ahead touchdown pass. They would get the two-point conversion, and Lane Kiffin would mismanage the final minute of the game, clock management-wise, as Ole Miss... Could have had a chance to possibly tie it, but ultimately the Rebels run out of time and Auburn survives it 35-28. They improved the 3-2 and two on the season. But if you're an Auburn fan, do you feel lucky to be sitting here at 3-2? and two? I mean, if they rule that botched kickoff or recovery by Ole Miss in the end zone, you know, the Rebs get a touchdown, they go up eight, perhaps they win the game. Then there was the botched spike against Arkansas that went their way. Then there was the Miss Kentucky touchdown in week one. If you're an Auburn fan... Do you just say, hey, we're lucky to be 3-2 and two and happy with that? And for Ole Miss, are you just happy to have an offense that's fun to watch? Does Kiffin get a pass in year ones? You know, he's 1-4. You have to think Rebel fans would like their team to maybe play spoiler at some point this season. Maybe they can upset Texas A&M in a couple of weeks. 
Some bad news for Auburn coming out of this game, though. They lose one of their better offensive linemen, Brandon Council, to a knee injury. It was a grad transfer from Akron who really solidified that right guard spot for him. Gus Malzahn revealed yesterday he will indeed miss the rest of the season. One-on-one -on -one with Sertan. Here's the inside give. Fumbling the ball is the running back, and it's picked up by Alabama for a touchdown. Eric Gray never did have full control of it, and Malachi Moore, who had an interception against Texas A&M and Georgia, busted it loose, picked it up, and took it to the house for a touchdown. The third Saturday in October, which was actually the fourth Saturday in October, the outcome of this one, not really the headline grabber, as it was a key injury on the opening kickoff. Dynamic Alabama return man Jalen Waddell suffers an ankle injury. He'd be carried off the field. Later, Nick Saban would reveal that Waddell will indeed miss the rest of the season. It's an unfortunate end to an electrifying season he was having. He already had 25 catches for 557 yards and four touchdowns. The good news for Alabama, they still have some ridiculously good weapons. John Mechie, Devontae Smith. Mac Jones, once again, torching secondaries, picking Tennessee apart. They're for 387 yards. Did not throw a touchdown, however, as mostly all those went to the running backs. Najee Harris, 96 yards, three touchdowns. Brian Robinson with one. Jones did run for a touchdown as well. But John Mechie, by the way, averaging 23.6 yards a catch on the season. That leads the nation for receivers. Story for Tennessee was they just could not stay on the field. Eric Gray and Ty Chandler averaged around three yards a carry, and Jared Garant Garantano could not keep drives alive as the Vols were just four for 16 on third downs. Tennessee was able to find the end zone twice, but it was too little too late with that Alabama offense. The tide, ro tide rolled to yet another blowout victory in this rivalry, winning 48-17. to That is now 14 in a row for Alabama. And you just have to wonder when Tennessee is ever going to get back to competing with the Tide. Jeremy Pruitt said after the game, the gap between Tennessee and Alabama is closing. Fortunately, as long as Saban is at Alabama, that may never be the case. One thing we did learn in this one is that Jared Garantano is still running the show until further notice. There was a lot of speculation until the that the Vols could make a change at quarterback, but they stuck by their veteran QB almost the entire game before Brian Moore came in really late. Pruitt, the coaching staff, must still believe JG gives them the best chance to win, but at 2-3 and three on the season, Vol fans may be saying, hey, let's turn the page, go with the freshman Harrison Bailey, and maybe we start building towards the future. Basilak to Roundtree. Touchdown, Missouri. His second today. All the talk the past two weeks in the SEC was all about that Kentucky defense, how dominant they were against Mississippi State and Tennessee. But in this one, it was the Mizzou defense that was dominant, holding Kentucky to just 145 yards of total offense. Terry Wilson could not get anything going through the air. The Wildcats turned to transfer quarterback Joey Gatewood for a couple of drives. He couldn't get anything going. It was just that case. The ground game for Kentucky couldn't get anything going. On the flip side, Mizzou, they rode the heck out of Larry Roundtree. 37 rushes, 126 yards, and Connor Basilak, the freshman, threw for 200 yards, and Mizzou beat Kentucky 20-10. The Cats tried to get back into it late, but to no avail as Mizzou dominated the time of possession. 43 minutes to just 16 for, for Kentucky. Cats dropped to 2-3, and three, and don't look now, but Eli Drinkwitz has now won two in a row with his freshman quarterback, Basilak. And you have to wonder if Mizzou can give Florida some fits this coming weekend as the Gators have not, been, have not played a game in a couple of weeks.
Down and five. Finley comes out throwing on the slant. Marshall has it. Stays up right inside the 35. Down the middle of the field. 15, 10, 5. He'll take it to the house. Touchdown, Tigers! You gotta love a good underdog story and none better than the reigning national champions. All right, maybe it's a bit of a stretch. I know LSU was favored by Vegas in this game against South Carolina, but everyone you talked to was picking the Gamecocks fresh off their upset win over Auburn. And you had to look at the facts. LSU's defense couldn't stop a nosebleed this season. You're playing in a mostly empty Tiger Stadium. And LSU turning to a true freshman quarterback with starter Miles Brennan out with an injury. The recipe was set up for South Carolina to win this game. But we did not know T.J. Finley would surprise the hell out of us and run the LSU offense better than any true freshman perhaps ever at LSU. Finley was calm. He was confident. He was poised. He delivered accurate passes all over that Will Muschamp defense. So he went 17 for 21 for 265 yards and three total touchdowns. LSU finally got their ground game going this week with Ty Davis-Price and John Emery rushing for over 275 yards as a group. South Carolina did move the ball well at times. Kevin Harris had some big runs, two touchdowns. Colin Hill made some nice throws, but he did throw a bad pick six. And for the first time since 1981, LSU returned a kickoff for a touchdown in Tiger Stadium. The question moving forward now for LSU, is there a quarterback controversy? It sounds like Miles Brennan may still not be ready to go this week at Auburn. And you have to wonder if T.J. Finley plays like this again and leads LSU to a win at Auburn, Will Miles Brennan be Wally Pipped? Ed Ogeron said after the game, Miles is still the starter, but let's see what Finley does this Saturday. For Muschamp of the Gamecocks, look, it's a pin in the balloon after winning two straight and now with a week off. They got to get up for Texas A&M's offense coming in on November 7th. And by the way, we always talk about Nick Saban against his former assistants, which he is now 23-0 against after beating Jeremy Pruitt. But how about LSU? They are now 14-0 in Tiger Stadium in games played against a former assistant coach. Of course, Will Muschamp, a former D.C. at LSU. There you have it. That is your weekend recap from the four games in the SEC. Coming up next, who impressed and depressed around the conference? Look, guys, if you're like me, I know what you did over the weekend. You sat around, you watched a lot of football, and you relaxed. But you can't just do that just with football. You need something in your hand. You need something cold and refreshing, something that is made to chill and that's Coors Light. That's what I did. Went through a bunch of Coors Light lights on Saturday, watching all the college football, particularly all the games in the SEC. And Coors Light wants you to know, no matter what sport's going on right now, you got the World Series, you've got uh, college football, you've got the NFL. All of it goes well when it is your time to chill, when you are chilling with a Coors Light. It's the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer, So if you're getting ready for some of these midweek games, if you're getting ready for another week of SEC football games, do it with Coors Light. They are the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Coors Light, you can get it delivered straight to your door now at get.coorslight.com. And remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Look, the weather is starting to get colder around the South. It just is. And when that happens, what happens? We don't go to the gym as much. We don't work out as hard. We end up sitting on the couch, staying indoors, oh, because it's too cold to go outside. And what do you do? You eat a lot of junk food. You eat a lot of stuff you shouldn't be eating. Let me remind you about our friends at Built Bar. It is the 
best tasting protein bar you've ever tried. And if you haven't done so yet, what are you waiting for? They've got the six new flavors out. I've mentioned this before. Cookies and cream is my favorite. They've got the caramel brownie, cherry barcia, carrot cake, all apple almond crisp. I'm telling you, if you have not tried Built Bar, you're doing yourself a disservice. Low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, perfect for you. Check them out at BuiltBar.com. And I want to remind you guys as well, you can use their promo code Locked On. You're going to get 20% off your next order. That's right. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. You're going to get 20% off your order. Go load up on some Built Bars, and I guarantee you, you will not regret it. BuiltBar.com. Along here on the Locked On SEC podcast, I want to remind you guys to subscribe to our podcast. We're here for you five days a week talking all things SEC. Hard to believe we're basically at the halfway mark of the SEC season already. Big Ten, they're just getting started. This abbreviated season is just flying by. Let's get right into it. We do this every week around this time. We say... Who impressed and depressed this weekend in the SEC? Who impressed and who depressed? All right, we start with who impressed. Let's start with LSU quarterback T.J. Finley, a true freshman, threw for two touchdowns, ran for one as well. He was calm. He was in control. He looked more comfortable running the offense, frankly, than Miles Brennan did in week one for LSU. Did a great job finding his open man, completed passes to six different receivers, And he benefited from an LSU offense being more balanced this week with a powerful run game. A big part of that, they got left guard Ed Ingram back, who did a great job protecting for Finley. A little surprised Will Muschamp didn't blitz Finley very much in this one, but tip of the cap to TJ Finley. And we're going to see how many more games he starts this season for LSU in the absence of Miles Brennan. Who else impressed this week? How about Auburn wide receiver Seth Williams? Of course, he made the game-winning play for Auburn, catching the ball and taking it for 58 yards in for the touchdown. But Williams always seems to be that guy there for Bo Nix. Every time they need to convert a big third down play, it's Seth Williams finding himself open. He leads the Tigers in yardage, 24 catches for 440 yards and three touchdowns. That's most on the team. If Auburn finishes this season strong, Seth Williams is going to be a big reason why they do. Who else impressed? It may seem like a boring pick here because we could honestly say his name every single week, but Bama running back Najee Harris, just so consistent, man. Another 20 carries, 96 yards, and three rushing touchdowns. You add six catches for 61 yards, his most catches and most receiving yards of the season. Through five games, Harris leads the SEC in rushing yards at 595. Leads the conference with 14 rushing touchdowns. In fact, he not only leads the conference in rushing touchdowns, he leads the nation in that category. Next best is North Carolina's Javante Williams with 10. There is no doubt who Steve Sarkeesian wants to carry this team. Look, despite all the big pass plays, the offense starts with Najee Harris, and it was another great week for him. All right, who depressed this week in the SEC? I got to go with my guy, a guy that I like. But Kentucky quarterback Terry Wilson, we saw the desperate times for Kentucky last year with their quarterback issues, having to play Lynn Bowden, that quarterback, and basically going wildcat to win games. With Terry Wilson back healthy, you expected him to take that next step. He's a senior. Got to get the pass game going. But in his last three games, Terry has thrown for 73 yards, 
101 yards, and this week just 35 yards. We mentioned Kentucky did roll with Joey Gatewood for several series. You have to wonder if they may try a dual quarterback system moving forward. Not what you expected with your senior quarterback back healthy, but let's see if Terry Wilson can bounce back. Who else depressed? I teased it earlier, but where was the fiery Will Muschamp defense this week? Muschamp's a guy who prides himself on getting after the quarterbacks, blitzing, bringing pressure, getting after it. You face a true freshman quarterback in an SEC game, and you don't get a sack? You don't even get get him for a quarterback hurry or a pressure. Not very characteristic of a Muschamp defense, but then you consider... They got ran on for almost 300 yards by that LSU backfield. So maybe they were a little preoccupied, but I expected more pressure from a Will Muschamp defense. Let's see if they turn up the heat in coming weeks. And lastly, our last depressed of the week. I'm going with the SEC refs. Seriously, how do you not even look at the kickoff to Auburn? The video made the rounds all over Twitter and social media in the seconds following the play where it appeared... Sean Shivers touches the ball off his left-hand pinky. Looks like the, the finger bends backwards. Not even a sniff from the SEC officiating crew. There has to be somebody up in that booth who says, hey, guys, let's hold on a second. The replay crew reportedly said, nah, nothing to see there. Meanwhile, anyone with a Twitter account or a high-def television could see there was something there. But look, if you're an Auburn fan, you just keep saying, it feels like you say this every week. Man, thank God the refs missed that one. (laughs) How many more weeks can Auburn be fortunate with a call or a no call at the hands of the referees? And that is who impressed and depressed this week in the Southeastern Conference. When we return, a quick look at some of the early betting lines this weekend. Locked on SEC heading into week six of conference play, recapping week five, the week that was. It was good to see the Big Ten finally joining the rest of us and starting to play some college football this past weekend, although some of my Georgia friends did not enjoy seeing Justin Fields put on a show in Ohio State's win over Nebraska. Nothing against Stetson Bennett, but I'm sure they're all wishing Justin Fields would have stuck around a little bit longer in Athens. All right, let's uh, let's take a look at some of the early betting lines in the SEC Week Six as we get some teams back this week from their bye weeks. EBL early betting lines. All right, six games scheduled in the conference this week: Florida, Texas A&M, Arkansas, and Vandy all return to action. South Carolina and Tennessee—they both get the week off. We start with the early game. Uh, on Saturday, number five, Georgia is heading to Lexington to take on Kentucky. Georgia opens as a 15-and-a-half-point favorite. Look, I know that Kentucky did not look very good offensively against Mizzou this week and honestly hasn't looked very good offensively in the last three weeks, and you're going up against one of the best defenses in the country. But lest we forget, Kentucky's defense has been really good. Georgia's going to have to really lean on that ground game and get it going, and Stetson Bennett's going to have to make some really good throws to keep those Kentucky DBs on their heels. Remember, they were picking apart Mississippi State and Tennessee 
Georgia's going to have to play a really sound game, but 15 and a half initially seems like a lot of points. We'll see where the line moves as the week rolls along. In the afternoon, the CBS game of the week. This is a game that normally, man, is between two top-ranked teams. This is normally a top-ten matchup, LSU at Auburn. And it is a matchup of two unranked opponents, LSU at 2-2, two and two, Auburn at 3-2. and two. was really surprised to see LSU opened as a road favorite. I understand Auburn has not looked great in recent weeks, eking out some wins. But lest we forget, this LSU defense still has some issues. I get they won big against South Carolina, but they still gave up chunk, big chunk plays against South Carolina. Bo Nix and that offense should be licking their lips, looking at film of this LSU defense. I think LSU's offense can go in there and compete, but if they're rolling with the true freshman T.J. Finley, I get he looked great in, in his first start, but it was his first start. This would be his first road start if Miles Brennan is not ready to go against Auburn. All things to consider, I would say Auburn would be the favorite in my mind. Surprised to see LSU as an early two-and-a-half point favorite. My lean would be Auburn and the points at home. Another afternoon game, Ole Miss 1-4 going to 0-3 Vanderbilt in Nashville. Ole Miss a 17-and-a-half point favorite. I know Matt Corral has kind of come back down to earth these last two weeks, throwing some interceptions, not looking as crisp and accurate as he did through the first couple of weeks. But Vanderbilt's just really bad, man. Ole Miss, I'll take them and whatever the points are. I think Lane Kiffin is desperate to get back into the win column here, and they very well should. Three night games across the conference. We'll start with the SEC Network game. We get Arkansas at number eight, Texas A&M. This is that game that's normally played in Jerry's world in Arlington. Instead, we get a game in College Station between Arkansas and Texas A&M. And we know Arkansas, that defense, so much more improved under Barry Odom. The offense actually looks competent with Felipe Franks at the helm. At Texas A&M, look, the big win over Florida a couple weeks ago and then looked pretty good two weeks ago against Mississippi State. It starts with that ground game, man. They got to get Isaiah Spiller going, and then Kellen Mond can maybe get some things going in the passing game. But I expect Barry Odom to have some tricks up his sleeve. A&M opens as an 11.5-point favorite, and that just seems like a lot of points. Look, A&M may win this game, but I think it's closer than 11.5. The SEC Network alternate channel will be 2-2 two two, Mizzou at number 10, Florida. Florida opens as a 13.5-point favorite. I know Florida's offense is good. I know Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and company are fantastic. But there are still a lot of question marks with that Florida defense. And Connor Bazelak at quarterback for Mizzou with Eli Drinkwitz calling the plays, they've shown some things, man. I think Missouri keeps this one close. Maybe they do end up losing by two touchdowns when it's all said and done and Florida covers the 13-and-a-half. But I would not be surprised if this game is, say, maybe tied at the half or Florida only up three or seven. I think Mizzou is going to come in there and put on a show. And lastly on ESPN, the night game on Saturday night, 1-3 and three, Mississippi State is at 5-0, and oh, number two in the country, Alabama. Alabama opens as a 32-and-a-half point favorite. My, how things have changed in just a couple weeks for Mike Leach and that Mississippi State Bulldogs offense after putting on a show against LSU in week one. They have come back down to earth. I got to say, 32 and a half, despite Mike Leach calling the plays on the other side. 
you got to take Alabama minus the points. Just the way this offense is rolling with Mac Jones. I know you lose Jalen Waddell, but John Mechie and Devontae Smith and Najee Harris, all the weapons on that Alabama offense are saying, we're getting 40. Can you keep up? And based on what we've seen these last couple games with the Mike Leach offense and KJ Costello and Rodgers, they cannot. I'm taking Alabama minus the 32 and a half. And that is an early look at some of the early betting lines from the SEC heading into week six. That is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. One last reminder to subscribe to our podcast. You can find us anywhere on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to Locked on SEC five days a week. We've got some great guests coming up for you throughout this week. You definitely do not want to miss. And also a reminder to check out some of our other great Locked On podcasts. We've got just about every other college team you're looking for, just about every other SEC team you're looking for. We've got Locked On Gators, Locked On LSU, Locked On Razorbacks. Check them all out wherever you find your podcasts. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.